You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. We are going to be on the theme of worship. All right, well, let me get ourselves all taken care of here. Uh, so in 1 Peter chapter number 1, beginning in, I'm sorry, chapter number 2, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile, um, well, well, I'm not going to get all into these now, but laying aside all malice. What do you think malice is? Yeah, anger, uh, guile. What is guile? We don't use that term very often. Yeah, be, being subtle. It's being uh, deceitful. Laying aside uh, all malice, all guile, all hypocrisies and envies and all evil speakings. Those are pretty self-explanatory. As, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be ye have tasted that the Lord is gracious, to whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Now, verse 5 is what, what I really want to focus on, and we'll maybe allude to these ones leading up to this. Ye also, as lively stone, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. Why? How? What's the purpose? To offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. So as we look here, we, we see that one of the reasons that God has done what He's done in our life and one of the reasons He's brought us together into the church is so that we might worship. And we're going to get into these, but the word worship uh, brings in a bunch of things into people's minds. I wonder, what comes into your mind when you hear the word worship? I would just be interested to know if there's different thoughts that come into your mind. What immediately you hear, worship. And what would you picture, Connie? Reverence to God. Okay. Yeah, reverence to God. Nathan? Church? Okay. Uh, yeah, Gerald? Uh, bowing down. Bowing down. Bowing down, okay. Uh, Emily? Yeah, singing, very good. These are all on the positive and all uh, good so far. Uh, anybody else uh, come to your mind, Ron? Amen, that's good. Yeah, a collection of people worshiping together. Any other thoughts on worship? That's cool. I, Doria? Yeah, absolutely. And so, so this is great because uh, it sounds like at least for the people who are vocalizing what they picture... They picture, you know, really biblical uh, ideas of worship. You know, for some people, they, they may picture, uh, you know, people lighting candles in a dark room or something, right? That, that's what you may think of as worship. Maybe some monk uh, silently performing his duties in a monastery. You know, there's, there's all kinds of forms. I mean, there's uh, 
The other worship could be, you know, forms of self-realization. You know, there's a lot of worship uh, in the influenced by the New Age movement that uh, that our culture is definitely infiltrated with. Um, and, uh, and, and then, of course, we, we've, we've seen the, the, the emotional music, perhaps, that evokes uh, feelings, uh, responsive feelings. Uh, and and I've got to say, for me, that just when, if you were to ask me, okay, Pastor, what do you picture when someone says, well, worship? We're going to talk about worship. And again, I think our backgrounds define the way we look at this. I just imagine, again, I just get this image of being in church with my hands raised up, with just joy in my heart, praising the Lord. Uh, now, and, and there is a distinction, and perhaps we can talk a little bit about that, uh, but between worship and praise, uh, they're, they're different, but at the same time, they're, they're connected, as you can imagine. Um, but th think about real worship, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And I believe uh, much of what has been said is, uh, at the very least, on the right track. Uh, some, of, some of the things were even defining what worship means. I think uh, Gerald was talking about to bow down. That's one of the things that it actually means. Uh, but in Psalm 95, verses 1 through 6, if you'll turn there uh, with me, please. And Psalm 95, verses 1 through 6. And, you know, I think this will answer questions, too. One of the things that I've been trying to be a lot more cognizant of lately is uh, as a church, man, we, we've got a church that, thank God, we have guests come in, don't we? We have, we have new guests come in on a, on a regular basis, uh, and we're ministering to a, a people that uh, really haven't ever been around real worship uh, or have been around some form of worship or literally have just never been church at all. And, you know, I, one of the things that I really want to do as a church is, is be mindful of that. You know, we have people come in, uh, and by the way, did you know that for some people, can anybody identif identify with this, by the way? For some people, the thought of driving onto this property and walking through those doors is an intimidating prospect. Can anybody identify with that or understand that? Um, what'd you say? <laughs> well, that, you, would, you would think I wasn't that scary. But the, the point is, is that for me, I'm a... Uh, uh, you know, I, I got saved at a young age, and, and I'm, a, I'm a very personable people. I see people, and I'm like, ooh, people, you know, a crowd, noise, you know. And I understand some of you are just like, oh, my gosh, people, crowd, noise, go the other way. But, uh, but for me, I've just, I just don't see church that way. Church, and, and another thing, by the way, I guess on top of that, I wasn't raised in church, but when I got saved, I, I started coming to a church very much like this one with just a group of loving, caring people uh, that just, that, that with a great spirit in the church. And, and, and it was just like, wow. I mean, it was just awesome. And, and I'm a new Christian, and this is just so exciting to me. Uh, so that's always been my experience with church, okay? Not everybody's. Point being, most people aren't that way. Uh, I'm amazed at the people I'll talk to that will finally admit to me as I'm trying to invite them to church. Uh, hey, uh, man, I... I was really going to come, and a friend of mine just recently told me, he said, I'm just scared. He said, I'm just really scared about coming in, just walking in those doors. The thought of that scares me. Um, and there's a lot of people that way. So obviously, we try to keep inviting and encouraging, and that's one of the reasons. Sometimes when I invite somebody to church, this is hard, harder for me, as you might imagine, but I would try to say something along the lines of, hey, uh, I would love for you to come sit with me and my family this Sunday in church. Be specific. It's not like just come and you're on your own. 
come with me. Come, come be, with, be with us, you know, sit with us and our family uh, this Sunday in church. We've got a space just for you. But then that's one of the reasons why, you know, and again, we, we talk a lot about the greeting team. Uh, we want to have a greeting team. As the greeting team, we don't want to be rabid dogs that are hungry to latch onto a visitor or something, you know. But we do want to be very friendly, very accommodating, very welcoming. Uh, we want to try to help people come in and find a seat. Uh, there's, uh, you know, we, we have seating uh, available most of the time. It's just kind of getting people in to those seats. And, um, but on top of that, I'm getting, back, I'm getting to something here. For so many of us, we've just been in church for a while, and this is just what we do, and we don't really think much about it. But what we, try, what, what, what we want to do as a church is we want to be a place, we, we want to come here and worship the Lord. We do come here and serve as we worship, but the idea that this is where we come do our service to the Lord for the week, and then we just go do whatever for the rest of the week, that, that's, that's not the right mindset. We come here to worship. And, why, and, and a part of worshiping is serving oftentimes. It's like the priests and the singers and the different ones who do in the temple. But what I'm trying to get to is this, that uh, sometimes we can, you think about it from the world's perspective. In what other context anywhere in the world do you walk into a building and stand up and start singing? Where does that happen? Where do you have people singing? Where do you have, you, there, there's some context that has people you know, speaking and stuff like that. That could be anywhere in the business world. But, you know, some of the things, I just want us to be mindful that we're trying to reach a lost world that really doesn't know Christ and doesn't know what it really means to be a Christian and a part of a, uh, of a church that is trying to be a church in the, in the New Testament form of church. Um, and so that we be mindful when it comes to our, some of our Christian ease, so to speak. In other words, the things that we, we just say words back and forth uh, to where other people are like, what are they even talking about? Why are they acting that way? Why are they doing these things? Um, but I want to be very welcoming uh, to the outside world as they come in and as we worship the Lord together. But I just think we need to be mindful of trying to make the people we're trying to reach, um, you know, uh, at ease as much as possible, you know, and make it as easy for them to transition uh, as possible honestly i think about i even think about with this with some of the songs that we sing i believe there's a balance to this this is nowhere in our notes but it, it's it's on but to me it, it falls into the idea of worship okay uh when it comes to trying to reach the people that have have not been brought up in church or that haven't been in church for a decade or decades is that uh you know when it comes to some of our terminology that we use when it comes to even some of the the terminology that's used some of the songs that we use and things like that. I believe there's a balance. Because when, when someone is preaching and teaching, I believe there's, there's a certain level to where, you know, we don't need to bring everything so far down on the level, you know, to where we just start just all of a sudden Jesus is just homey. And, you know, we just go, just go all out to where we just bring everything down to the, to the lowest possible uh, denominator. No, we, we want to, our, our preaching, our teaching, our singing ought to bring people up, right? So they ought to be able to say, okay, well, what does it mean to be a disciple? That's not a word you use out in society. So rather than not using the word disciple or not using the word repent or not using some of these, we use those and then give people the opportunity to learn what that means. At the same time, uh, I, think that, I think there's a, a, a meeting ground 
uh, that, that we can meet. And I want to think about that as we speak and our, our terminology, uh, even our songs, oftentimes. Uh, I, I love our old hymns, don't you? And we're, we'll continue to sing our old hymns. Uh, but I'm telling you, sometimes we're singing some of these hymns and I'm like, man, I want to take that one out of the rotation. Like, what is that? Uh, it's, it's got a good meaning, you know, if you can figure it out. Uh, but I don't know if that, I don't know if the sound of it even fits what we're trying to do. You know? Uh, and again, that's, that, but I've, I've, I've said that a couple times. I've looked back at the, the kids, the teenagers sitting behind me, and I'm not, it's just they happen to be the people sitting behind me. But I'll just turn back and I'm like, I think we're taking that out of the rotation. Don't like that one. Uh, and you, <laughs> I'm going to get in all kinds of trouble and arguing here in a little bit. Uh, but I'm just saying there's some of them that, you know, they're not inspired, all right? And, uh, and they don't have to be sung and they don't have to be uh, repeated. Some of them act like they're trying to put you to sleep. Or, uh, and I believe there's a time for slow songs, don't get me wrong. Um, but uh, anyway, that's a whole nother, it's not really no, no other story, but I'm going to move on from that. Psalm 95 verse 1, talking about worship, okay? Here's what he says. Oh, come. Somebody said people. I think Ron said people. So here we go. Oh, come. Let us sing unto the Lord. Let's sing. Now, listen. God didn't say we're going to have tryouts. Sing. Um, you know, and, and I've, I've shared this before, but I'll share it again because it really made such an impression on me. Again, the, one of the benefits I had about when I come to Christ is that I was a young Christian. Uh, I, was six, I was a young person. I was 16 years old, and I was raised in the Bible Belt. So just as many of you are crazy familiar with the way the Catholic Church does things and the Lutheran Church, like just that's kind of so much part of the culture. People know kind of what that means. Well, where I grew up, you knew what, you understood what Baptist churches did and, and so forth. It just... That to you, that's what Christians did, and that's how Christians worship, even if you weren't a church-going person. So it wasn't anything strange to me to the thought of coming in and singing, because I knew that's what Christians did, you know. But I was able to come up, I sat right here up on the front row, uh, just about a seat or two over, with my friend's dad, who was just the loudest singer you'd ever want to hear, and he didn't sing very well, but man, he sang loud. Uh, and, but one of the things that let me do was I thought it was fun, because then I could sing loud. And I could sing loud, and at least I like to tell myself that nobody else could hear me because of Jerry that was singing so loudly beside me. And I used to love just getting beside And so I got a lot of practice just singing out. But, but I'm glad that there wasn't a thing to say, wait, man, because I don't know how many, I mean, in, in all reality, how many people really are good singers anyway? I mean, if, if we were to look at the percentage of people in the world that are good singers, I think it would be a pretty small percentage. I mean, would you disagree with that? I think it would be a fairly small percentage of people, especially that, that I'm talking about, that can get up here like some of our singers do that are uh, incredibly gifted and can just get up here and sing, man, and you're like, wow, that's really something. Uh, I think that's a fairly small percentage of people. So God knows when he's telling us to sing, he knows I don't sing very well. And he knows that there's some people that can, a lot of people that can sing better than me, and there's people that can't even sing as good as me, which is sad. I mean, that's sad. But it's true. But you know what? Uh, sing anyway. Sing anyway. Because we're not asking you to get up, okay, you know, Dawn, you ready? I think Dawn can sing, by the way. I'm pretty sure she can sing. Anyway, 
we'll find out before the service is over. We'll, Danny, get something prepared, and we'll uh, give Dawn a try out here. But, but uh, that's not saying that we're going to call on Eric to say, all right, Eric, come on, buddy. You're up here singing today. Here he comes. I've got to be careful. Eric is such an extrovert. He wants to be out here in front of everybody anyway. Um, that's not true. But, uh, but the, the thing I'm saying is, there's something, I'm telling you, the, the way we sing and worship is very similar to the way they would have done at the temple. They just get together and they sing. And I'm telling you, you've heard it, and we, I'd, I'd love to hear it a lot more, but man, there's something about this church when people are just raising up their voices and singing. And, and, and remember, the greater percentage of us that are raising up our voices and singing probably are not people that are going to get up here and sing on our own because we don't have that kind of talent. But there's just something about everybody collectively. Man, it's beautiful. It's awesome. Just people raising up their voices and singing. Uh, so uh, th that is a form of worship, even though, man, I am dragging my feet big time. But, but I'm making some important points that I want to make. Uh, come, let us sing unto the Lord. Here you go. This goes right to it. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. A joyful noise. Hey, for some of us, that may be about what it is. A joyful noise. Is he singing? I don't know. It's noisy, but he seems happy. He's smiling, so he must be all right. Uh, I'm still in Psalm 95, and now I'm in verse 2. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving and make a joyful noise unto him with psalms for the lord is a great god so now it's given us a reason why should we come before the lord why should we worship the lord because the lord is a great god insert an amen right there right the lord is a great god and a great king above all gods in his hand are the deep places of the earth the strength of the hills is his also the sea is his, and he made it. In his hands formed the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker. And it's so cool because as I go through and talk a little bit about worship, so many of these definitions that some of you use, you, you can hear some of them already. But real worship is the act of a reverent heart. Worship comes from words, uh, from the words, two words, worth and ship. Worth and ship. Thus, worship is the way we ascribe worth toward another. Worship means to prostrate oneself in homage, to do reverence, to adore. So we've already covered several things that you shared. Uh, prostrate, uh, by the way. Uh, not prostate, okay? Uh, that's an important distinction there that, uh, that I have often uh, got mixed up. Anybody else? All right. Uh, we're, we're, I mean, uh, I, I've said that, and I, I still hear people do it to this day. You know, uh, pray for me. I'm going, you know, going to have, to have something my prostrate. Uh, well, man, <laughs> uh, that's not a thing, okay? Uh, because to uh, prostrate... Uh, means to it, it means to, to to lay out before to kneel down to uh, just to, to lay out before the, 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 that's the idea of prostrate you're you're down and then prostate is something else and uh, 
I got to tell you one time, and, and, and I've, I've already told you that I sing, and I like to sing loud. I like to sing loud. Um, and, I'm, and, and by the way, if you ain't too sure, just come stand beside me, okay? I'll sing loud, Eric. Then you can sing louder, and then nobody will be able to hear you because of me. But uh, we were, I was preaching in a church in, in Silva, North Carolina back, uh, back uh, many years ago. It's funny getting old, ain't it? You start thinking about stuff as it was only 20 years ago. Uh, but I was preaching in this church in Silva, North Carolina, and uh, I, had, I, I was setting up some, uh, a, some, a display and some different things in the back when the church service started. So by the time the church service started, uh, they, you know, uh, they, they stood up and they began to sing. And, and so by this time, I'm walking down the aisle trying to get to my seat where Melanie and at this time it would have just been Hannah and Caitlin there. Uh, and, and, and I'm walking down the aisle and they were playing Danny, all oh, hail the power of Jesus' name. And I thought, oh, yes, praise the name of the Lord, you know. So I'm, I'm walking down the aisle and uh, just, you know, coming down and, uh, oh, yeah, all oh, hell. And I'm just jump right in there as I'm walking because that's just the kind of guy I am, you know. All oh, hell, the power of Jesus. Name. And by this time, I get to my seat and, and I'm working my way in beside Melanie. And uh, it got to the part, let angels prostate fall. And then I just keep singing and all of a sudden Melanie just bust out laughing. And I'm just, bring forth the royal die. And then she, and she's just laughing and laughing. I'm like, and then you, I love my wife, man. Thank God for my wife. And here, here's what she says to me uh, after she quit laughing. She said, she said, it's prostrate, you idiot. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, so I had the angel prostate falling uh, there in, oh, hell, the power of Jesus' name. And so... Uh, that'd be some weird mental image that you could get there, I guess, wouldn't it? Uh, so, <laughs> so prostate, okay, no, prostrate, okay. So worship to prostrate oneself uh, before the Lord. Prostrate oneself in homage, to, to, do, to do reverence, to adore. Uh, we worship what we believe is worthy. We worship what we believe is worthy. We, listen, mankind hopefully, hopelessly worships. Mankind's just worshipers. We we find something that we think is great, and we just just give our all to it. We we talk about it, we think about it, you know, we dream about it. That's how we are. We, We just worship. But the problem is, is that we don't always worship the Lord. Uh, mankind doesn't uh, clearly as a whole. But we worship what we believe is worthy. You, you remember the wise men as they came in before the Lord. The Bible says they came in in Matthew chapter 2, 11. The Bible says, And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother and fell down. What did they do? They prostrated. I'm going to have to quit saying that, but they prostrated themselves. They fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. So worship is an attitude of the heart that is expressed in actions. So it's an attitude of the heart that's expressed in actions. These wise men were so overwhelmed to actually be looking at the child Messiah 
that they came and, and their heart was so full that they knelt there before the Lord. And then they gave gifts to the Lord Jesus there and to Mary and Joseph because their heart was stirred and they fell down with adoration. And again, as I've already said, there's no lack of worship in the world today, but much of it's misdirected worship. Uh, isn't it crazy how people like worship people? You know, like singers and athletes. And I mean, we, we, we kind of live in a society to where, you know, our, our young people are brought up almost to worship uh, these, uh, you know, stars, as we call them, superstars, uh, that people down. I mean, uh, but, you know, when, when you really think about it, uh, they're just people, right? I mean, and, and so they don't, I mean, there's nothing wrong with admiring uh, you know, people who, who have done great accomplishments and, uh, uh, you know, and, and, you know, being a sports guy, I, I can appreciate uh, admiring uh, certain athletes and their accomplishments and so forth or whatever the case may be. But, uh, you know, sometimes it can cross the line into worship. All right. Uh, I don't know if this is a good illustration or not, but I'll use it. Okay, thinking about getting on the same page with worship, with our heart and our actions. During the holiday seasons, bookstores report that, that, that the most frequently purchased types of books are cookbooks and diet books. I think a lot of the cookbooks must be bought around the holiday season and then getting close to the new year, diet books are purchased. So cookbooks and diet books. So the cookbooks tell you how to prepare the food, and the diet books tell you not to eat any of it, right? Uh, kind of how it goes. Uh, so, but, 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 but many people approach worship in a similar way, with a double mind. The human heart is made for worship. Thus, they worship something. Our hearts worship something. But if we're not careful, we can misdirect, divide, or confuse our worship. Scripture teaches us that God is the only one worthy of our worship and our adoration. Revelation 4.11, the Bible says to the, about the Lord Jesus Christ, For thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power. For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they were created. Um, Revelation 5, verses 11 through 13. The Bible says, And I beheld, and I heard the voice of many angels round about the throne, and the beast, and the elders, and the number of them was ten thousand times ten thousand, and thousands of thousands. And notice verse 12, Saying with a loud voice, Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power, and riches, and wisdom, and strength, and honor, and glory, and blessing." And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. So the kind of worship that we ought to have as Christians, real worship comes from the heart and finds an outlet in, in actions to express a love for Jesus Christ. This is spelled out in the verses that we look at here. So, may God help us today. And that's one of the, one of the important reasons, you know, a, a verse that I think is really vital for us to share because, again, the, the, the fact of the matter, matter of us being human, human 
is that we can get distracted easily. Easily we get distracted. And we can allow our eyes to get off of God and His goodness. And, and by the way, what are some of the things that, that take our eyes away from God and His goodness? Cares of this world, all right? Uh, any, anything else you want to add or be more specific about? What are some of the things that, take, that just d distract us from keeping our attention and thinking about God and how, how great and wonderful God is? Yeah, just, just jobs, money, just, just life in general. We do life and we can get busy and forget. Connie, were you going to say something? Nope. Okay, sorry. Uh, it was just like the auction, you know. I thought I saw our card go up there. Uh, sin, yes, yeah, sin can be uh, sin can be very distracting. I mean, the Bible talks about the deceitfulness of sin. For sure, it can draw us away. Um, people worry. Uh, our, you know, ourselves, our own shortcomings. I mean, you know, one of the things that I that that I have some of the I have some of the biggest problems I think with just being so concentrated on how much I'm not doing what I want to do or accomplishing what I want to accomplish and coming. Sometimes I get caught up on myself so much I don't take time to remember the goodness of God. But when I do, and by the way, I've tried to reverse, I don't know if reverse engineering would be the right way to say it or not, but in my thinking, I try to reverse that. Because as I see the struggles I'm having and as I see the weakness of my own flesh and when I see myself failing, you know what I try to do instead of just focusing on that i try to turn my attention back toward god and say lord i'm sure glad you love me anyway i'm sure glad that you saved me and care about me even though i am the mess that i am and i'm glad that you're doing a work in my life and and, and even to acknowledge you know what i am not doing and being and performing if you will the way i would like to live this week but then i think but you know what Man, I could be so much worse off. You know, you've done enough in my life, Lord, that if it wasn't for what you've done in my life already, I don't even think where, where I would be. Where I would be. I hate to even think. How about that? So, so but we can get distracted about ourselves. There's a lot of things that can take our attention off the goodness of God. But we just got to learn to get our attention back on God. Because I'm telling you, the thing about making much of money, hey, money is good, right? The Bible doesn't say that money's evil. It never does. The Bible just says the love of money is the root of all evil. All right? The love of money is... Money's not the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil. There's nothing wrong with, you know, making a living. There's nothing wrong with trying to make a really good living. Uh, there's really not. But have you ever found out... I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of us uh, that can think... And, and I'm not wealthy uh, financial standards uh, at all, uh, but I could still think of times to where I never thought that I would be where I am. You know what I mean? I mean, because you're looking at a guy that, uh, you know, uh, I'll just say that we grew up pretty poor. Uh, you know, the, the idea of having anything resembling a newish car uh, was something I couldn't hardly fathom. You know, the, the idea of, uh, I, I, was, I was thinking about it this week because my wife and I were able to take, a, you know, just two and a half days, three, three, two days and three nights that we went to Colorado for just a little anniversary getaway. Uh, my mom and dad wanted to go to Colorado their entire lives which their lives were short, unfortunately. My mom died at 43, my dad at 58. Uh, they had very short lives. But still, they might as well have been, I mean, for the, the, the equivalent for me would be like going to the south of France or something, you know, uh, for, for a month. I mean, the idea of being able to actually leave and go someplace like that, uh, 
unfathomable. I, 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 and and when we, we were in Estes Park, I was just reminded again, because we would go on vacation. We really would. And so we were blessed. I'm, we were raised American poor, okay? American poor ain't as poor as, 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 as third world poor, right? But we were raised American poor. So we still would go on vacation, usually about every year we'd go down to the beach. But out in Colorado, the, the Estes Park region we were in, they had a bunch of the old hotel signs. Remember them? Vacancy, no vacancy. They would light up. Some of you remember those signs? I hadn't seen those in years. But it reminded me when I was a kid going to the beach. We'd go down to Myrtle Beach every year, which I wouldn't recommend. Uh, but we'd go down to Myrtle Beach every year, and uh, maybe in the off-season. But, uh, yeah, you know, now when I was a kid, it was a little bit different because we used to go out and pick up shells, you know, uh, seashells and all. But now, man, you pick up shells in Myrtle Beach now, you're actually picking up case, bullet casings, you know. It's just changed a little bit. But... Uh, so we'd go down to Myrtle Beach every year, but I remember going past those hotels, vacancy, no vacancy, but we weren't stopping at any of those because we were heading out to the campground. And we had a little pop-up tent that we would uh, set up, just one of these little suckers, you know, and we'd just pile in that tent for the week uh, right at the beach, you know, and, uh, go to, and, and, and literally, as a kid, the thought, some of you know what it's like, the thought of staying in a hotel, you know who stayed in hotels, don't you? Rich people. Rich people stayed in hotels. Uh, and let me tell you how we got there. My dad, for, for, I, I'm just trying to tell you, I, I need to get back on track here. But for one thing, for a big part of my childhood, we, had zero, we did not have a vehicle, period. My dad got picked up for work. My mom would walk, uh, I think, uh, I don't know, a couple miles to get to the bus stop so she could go to work. Uh, then I would walk to school. We didn't have no car for years. Well, finally, my dad bought this little Datsun truck. And so there would be about, oh, I don't know, eight or nine of us that would pile up in that Datsun truck and head to the beach. And, and this is a stick, all right? So you try to figure out how this all worked out. But so what we'd do is we'd pile up in the back of that truck and uh, head to the, because nobody else had a car, you know, but we had one now. So you could just all pile up together. Uh, now, the problem with that is it's about a five-hour drive, and sometimes it would rain. But we had a solution for that. We had a tarp. And there'd be people you'd just get, you'd pull the tarp over, and you'd just get out on every corner, and you'd just keep on trucking, all right? Uh, and so we weren't poor, but we were American poor, all right? And I say that to say the thought of finally being rich and staying in a hotel I never thought I'd get to do something like that, you know. I never thought I, I mean, but so, but guess what? Now I can stay in a hotel. And now I've stayed in some pretty nice hotels. But guess what? Man, I want to stay in a nicer one now. You know, I, I want to stay in a newer one now. And in other words, when you get your sights set on things and money and things like that, you start finding out that it's never really enough, right? Uh, if that's what you were worshiping, if that's what you're focused on, you know, I think it was, uh, you know, there's a, there's a story about John D. Rockefeller, you know, became just one of the, one of the richest men uh, ever. Uh, but there's a story about John D. Rockefeller to where uh, they asked him the question, supposedly, what does it take to make a billionaire happy? And his response was something along the lines of just one more dollar. One more dollar. Uh, and... That's kind of the way it is. Nothing wrong with making money. Nothing wrong with making money. Nothing wrong with enjoying uh, what God's blessed you with at all. That's good. Uh, you know, just keep God first, but just keep it in its place. 
But the reason that, I'm telling you right now, the reason that Jesus talks so much about giving and not getting in the Bible is because he knows how easily our human hearts can latch on to possessions. Latch on to what? There's just something about it to where we feel like that's it. But what God knows is that that's not it. And he knows that, yes, I can bless you with this and, it's, and use it as a blessing, but don't let that be what you base your happiness on, your, 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 your identity on. Uh, don't let that be any of that. Uh, so we, but, but that's the way with so many things that we can get distracted from when it comes to worship. Uh, okay, let me see where I'm at here. All right, I'm about done uh, with the introduction. Okay, uh, um, so, so we'll, we'll stop anyway, all right, but... Uh, Okay, uh, quickly, you know, going back to 1 Peter, you know, it might seem like a strange place to start initially, but I just want to hit maybe the highlights, and then we can talk more about this uh, perhaps next week. But there's, there's a couple things you see in 1 Peter chapter number 2. First of all, you see the people of worship, the people of worship. In verse 4 of 1 Peter 2, it says, To whom coming as unto a living stone, disallowed, disallowed indeed of men, but chosen of God and precious. Ye also, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house and holy priesthood. So, lively stones. See, Jesus is the cornerstone of the church. He's the cornerstone of the church. Obviously, he's trying to give a picture of something we can understand. And especially in these older days, a cornerstone would be laid. And then the building would be built off of that cornerstone. Because we are connected to Jesus, we're called living stones or lively stones. But as we know, the church, the, the church is a spiritual building. It's not comprised of, a, of, of, of stones, really. But, it's, but, but, the, but from a spiritual standpoint, the church is strong and it's all connected to the cornerstone with lively stones. So as a spiritual building, the Bible says in 1 Timothy 3.15 that we are the pillar and the ground of truth, responsible to lift Truth, high for all to see. And we can talk about that more later. But the idea, just think about that. We are lively stones. He's saying we're the church and just like a building, if you can just imagine brick on brick or stone on stone, the way they're set in there and held together and you got this mighty structure, this mighty force, but it's not a building in the sense that we know of a building. It's a living building. It's a moving building. And it's made up of people. So... So, so, so as the church, we are these lively stones, but it's interesting because he talks about lively stones, but then there's, there's something really interesting, and I'll have to end it with this today, is the believer priest. The believer priest. Notice what the Bible says here in verse number 5. Ye also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, listen to this, and holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. Did you know that the New Testament church does have a priesthood? Because you don't think about coming to a church like this one. When I say New Testament church, I'm just talking about a church that, that, that uses the Bible as its sole authority, and this is what we use to practice on. So, so therefore, that makes this a New Testament church, that we're just trying to follow what God says. We don't care what some cardinal or blue jay or anybody else said from years uh, gone by that's not what we decide how we do things 
uh, you know, God bless many of the, of, of the great church fathers, if you will, of the past, but they're not the ones who dictate what we do today in worship. The Bible is. But we do have a priesthood. Now, what does that priesthood look like? How would you answer that question? What does that priesthood look like? Yeah, look around. What's that, what's that priesthood look like, Sarah Sue? Look over next to you. Eric, look over to her. In other words, it's you. We're all priests. Uh, we're all priests. Jesus is the great high priest. Uh, but now that doesn't mean that we've got to go around like confessing to each other and all that kind of stuff. And it doesn't mean, you know, the idea of what you have in your, your head as a priest isn't, you know, try to get that picture out of your head. Because it's just, but one picture that you do have in your head is that the idea, even, even from a, you know, a Catholic background, the idea of the priest is that priest kind of represents you to God, is the idea, right? Uh, you know, in, in, in the Catholic Church, you would confess to the priest, and then the priest would then take those before God. He kind of is the go-between. He's kind of the representation. But what the Bible's telling us here is that, no, you're your own priest. You go before God. You, can, you go before God on your own. We don't need a go-between. We don't need an in-between. Matter of fact, the Bible even says there is one mediator between God and man. You think you'd find that verse, Nathan, or I don't know the reference. Anybody else? There is one mediator between God and man. And it says it's the man, Jesus Christ. Or it might say Christ Jesus. But Jesus is the one go-between. So therefore, we can all go. That also brings into our worship. Uh, and so we'll just have to stop right there for time. But I'll just say the people of worship, the priority of worship. Um, and uh, let's see here. What was the, the final point? Danny, I don't know how you got through one of these whole lessons in one thing, dude. I mean, I, and you did it awesomely. I just, uh, the practice of worship. I would, I would, I'll probably add in there the power of worship. We're, we've been studying the book of Nehemiah. Really soon we're going to be coming up on the, the well, it's a, a fairly famous passage that some of us are familiar with this reference. Others may not be, but where the Bible says, the joy of the Lord is your strength and the power of worship. Uh, man, stay tuned, okay? We're, we're stopping for now, but the reason you want to find out more about biblical worship, there's a lot of good reasons. God tells us to, but one of the things, very practically speaking, is the power of worship. Think about this. God had a mighty, mighty city that he, he wanted the children of Israel to defeat. It was the city of Jericho. The city of Jericho. And uh, God chose a mighty general, Joshua, to lead the army. Uh, against this city but if you know the story what God said to do is like he, he he told uh he told Joshua he said well Joshua he said no he said uh we're not going to take this city the way you think we're going to take this city he said we're going to walk around this city uh for the next set for the next week I want you to get everybody up and I want you to put the priest in them the old testament priest had a purpose uh but I want you to put them and the singers and everybody out on the front and, and I want you to walk around the city uh, then I want you to walk around the city. So, so go out there the first day, walk around the city. Go back to the camp. The next day, come back and walk around the city again. And so for six straight days, they come out and walked around the city one time. On the seventh day, y'all help me with this because now I should study before I, I do study, but I don't study everything that I'm thinking about telling you, okay? That last day, did they walk around the city seven times that last day? Okay. Uh, and, and, and then, seven times? All right. And then, after they watched, marched around that city 
the second time, the reason they had the priests and the singers and the trumpets and all that, because then they said, man, now I just want you to shout. Just let her rip. And so everybody did what? Shouted. Praise God. They just, woo! I mean, just let her rip. What happened? Those walls came tumbling down. And what I want to tell you today, that I'll tell you more about later, is that there's been a lot of walls in my life that I've been able to worship down. I've been able to shout down. There's been things that have been in my way to where when I got my eyes on him and begin to trust him and begin to do what he said to do and just keep my eyes on him and worship him, those big obstacles I didn't think I would ever get through, I've got through. I've got through. Because we're trying to find our swords and we're trying to figure out the strategy of how we're going to take on this, this uh, challenge that we face in our life. When a lot of times the way we face it is, is, is not, with, not with our fist out, it's with our hands upraised and seeing God make a difference. Man, I'm telling you, there's some power in worship. All right. Uh, any closing questions, comments, concerns, or clarifications? Dorian. 1 Timothy 2.5. So that's a very important verse to know that there's one mediator between God and man. All right. All right. Hey, well, God bless you. There we go. Uh, be sure to make our guests welcome as they come in. But remember, if they look a little introverted and they're going off to sit by themselves, you don't have to hound.